Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's message of the week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Good to see you, friends. Um, we are, as Adam says, continuing in James this morning. And uh, we've uh, started last week the Grace in Action series. Uh, today we are going to see uh, that James begins to teach us about what it means to be a church uh, that chooses to live the word, chooses to live the word. And as we journey through James, uh, we're going to see this strong instruction to the church to be a people who don't just know the word of God or simply know the teachings of Jesus, but who live the word of God. Uh, we'll see that it's not enough just to believe what Jesus says. Uh, we're to be a people who live out the word of God in every area of our lives. Uh, being a Christian, you see, isn't just about a religious tag. It's, it's meant to describe a people who are joyfully committed to following Jesus, to following what God says and doing what he says. Now, I want to follow Jesus. I'm sure if I muted you all uh, right now, you would uh, you'd be saying the same thing. Um, we'd drown each other out as we shouted that out. I know that we want to be a church that wants to follow uh, Jesus. But I also know that it's one thing in my life to say I'm willing to follow Jesus. And it's a whole other thing sometimes to actually joyfully follow him, to follow his teachings, to obey what the Bible says is true uh, in every area of my life. And you know what, even as I say the word obey, it creates a bit of a reaction in me. It can trigger a bit of a negative response. Maybe you can recognize that too somewhere in your, in your life. There's something about the word obey in our culture that we can struggle with, right? I mean, why should anyone tell me what to do? And that cultural reaction can leak into our response to the word of God if we're not careful. For example, when I hear a verse like Luke 20, uh, Luke 12, 33, where Jesus says, hey, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Uh, be generous with your material possessions, trusting God for your provision. That's the message, right? Uh, I know that's truth, but I can read scripture like that and I can find myself sometimes formulating this internal argument that says, well, how do I get around that? How do I get around that? I, I know what God says is true. I believe it, but I can try and get around it. I can argue with it sometimes and it's not just in the area of possessions or on a special offering Sunday like this morning or that the how do I get around it a question can crop up in our lives how do I get around not dealing with the selfishness in my life how do I get around with not dealing with the the anger with the lust the pride the unforgiveness of course maybe for you today it's not as obvious as that, maybe not an obvious sin issue like that, but rather the thing that God's been asking you to do for him, that place he's been asking you to go, that person perhaps he's been asking you to talk to, that thing that he's asking you to give yourself to. But it's going to cost us too much to obey Jesus. So the how do we get around it creeps in, even though we say we're willing to follow Jesus. But guess what? There's really good news this morning. Because today we're going to see that the goal is never to get around God's word because God's word offers us something that no one else can offer. Yeah, we're going to see that, yes, to be a follower of Jesus does mean obeying him. And yes, it will cost us. And listen, I know for some of us that cost right now is really very high. It may cost you everything that you've ever wanted. 
I'm not saying that it's an easy thing, but I want us to hear that obeying Jesus is not about grudgingly keeping a bunch of rules. No, Jesus isn't about burdening you down with laws and regulation. He's about releasing you into a life of fullness with him, of perfect love, freedom and complete joy, and it will never end. Doesn't it sound good? Well, I think it sounds so good. And James thinks so too. It's interesting to see the theme that's already been coming out through the worship this morning about the God who loves us. Why don't we uh, go have a look at James 1, 19 to 27 together, and we'll see uh, how this theme uh, unpacks. So here we go, James 1, 19, 21, uh, 19, 27. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. A religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Friends, that's some hard reading at points in there. And so I want to make sure that um, right at the start, uh, you heard the love James has for the church he's writing to. Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, he starts with, in the original language, it's a much deeper feeling in those words. It's my dear brothers and sisters, uh, that is full of love for the people he's writing to. You need to hear the love he has for them, but at the same time, you need to hear the seriousness of his message. This is truth and love for his church. It's truth and it's love for us today, too. But I want to spend um, and zone in really uh, on verse 22 for the rest of the day. It, verse 22 is sandwiched between uh, these two paragraphs at the beginning and end about the seriousness of allowing anger to control our lives. Uh, James is saying, get rid of it. Don't tolerate it. Friends, it's not compatible with a life of faith. And it's in that context that he writes verse 22, uh, which says this. Do not be merely listeners uh, of the word and so deceive yourself do what it says again in the original language the word do in the bit translated as do what it says could be read a little bit like this do not me do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves but be become be created there's a sense somehow that the word of God is alive in you that it's going to create something you're going to become something you're going to be the word and when I think about it, I'm reminded of Adam's question last week to us. What are we becoming? What are we becoming? Because this passage really describes only two options for us. We can either be forgetful hearers or active doers. 
forgetful hearers or active doers. I know that I can find myself on occasions uh, being a forgetful hearer of God's word. I hear God's word on a Sunday, but by Monday, sometimes it's like I've looked in a mirror, walked away and forgotten what I look like. But what I want to grow into more and more is an active doer of God's word. And Jesus had a lot to say about this. Uh, John 8, 31, he said this, he said to the Jews um, who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's an active doing of God's word, you see. John 14, 15, if you love me, Jesus said, keep my commands. Active doing of God's word. Clearly, Jesus is saying his followers should obey his words. But be careful and, and hear this point clearly. Obeying God's word is not about thinking I must do, but instead it's a response of I'd love to. You see, obeying Jesus is a love response. It's a love that finds its source in being in the person of Jesus Christ, God himself. Friends, let me remind us that Jesus loved us first, so much so that he made a way through his death and resurrection for the word of God to be planted in us, the word that can save you. That's what verse two says, right? Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And what James is doing here is drawing on teaching of the Old Testament prophets like Jeremiah in 31 and Ezekiel in chapter 36. And in those passages, they point, it points to a time that we live in now when God has put his law in our hearts and he's poured out his spirit on all people. James echoes those prophets in verse two saying, God has planted his word in us and as a result, our hearts find life in, his, in this word. We're not saved by our works, not by what we do, not by an I must do kind of thinking, but by humbly receiving the word and the word planted in us then moves us out of love for Jesus and what he's done for us into action, into joyful obedience. The word planted in us creates a love-based obedience response in us. It's, I love to, I'd love to, not I must do. You know, being active doers of the word is a joy-bringing thing, friends. Look at the way uh, Jesus puts it in uh, John 15. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. <laughs> it's about love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love, it's about love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You are my friends if you do what I command. You are called a friend of Jesus. If you put your trust in him, if you've given your life to him, He's your friend. And Jesus' desire to you, for you as your friend is that his joy, think about that, all of Christ's joy should be your joy and for your joy to be complete, 100%. Do you see what this means, church? The word obey in the Bible isn't a heavy thing. It's not a heavy thing. Look how the disciple John uh, talks about obeying in, in 1 John 5 verse 3. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. They don't weigh you down. James says in verse 25 that the law is perfect. 
It's a gift, a gift that brings freedom, that brings blessing into your life. Obeying God's commands is no burden. God, godly obedience, it brings life, it brings joy, it brings blessing because we follow a God of love. It's God's love that wins us to be active doers of his word. It's Jesus' love for me and for you. I didn't deserve his love, his joy, his blessing, but I, as, I, as I choose to humbly accept the word that he's planted in me and by his spirit, his love for me, it wins me to respond with, I'd love to Jesus, not, oh, I must do. It's an I love you. Let me, let me illustrate it like this. I think probably all of us have at some point either hired a babysitter, been a babysitter, or have been babysat, right? Uh, my boys are too old now for uh, babysitters, but when they were little, uh, we'd hire babysitters on a fairly regular basis. Um, but here's what we learned about babysitting. There's a few things that had to happen for babysitting to work. First, we had to tell the babysitter what they needed to do. We had to leave them a list of instructions. What time to get ready for bed? When to brush teeth? What time lights should be out? How not to be hoodwinked into a later time or sweets later on? That kind of stuff. But in order for them to agree to babysitting, a few things were required. A couple of other things too. Uh, we found that having a Wi-Fi code available and access to Netflix uh, helped them say yes to our request. But on top of that, I mean, what did parents do 30 years ago? On top of that, we had to pay them money, money to look after our kids. Now, they always did a great job. We'd come back to sleeping kids and, and they'd hand them back to us as parents. And at those moments, I think, well, Parenting is not like babysitting, is it? And here's, here's the biggest difference between me as a parent and the babysitters. I'm by no means the perfect dad, but I don't need anyone to offer me free Wi-Fi, Netflix or money for me to be an active doer of looking after my kids. Why is that? It's because I love my kids. My Parental actions towards my kids come from this internal motivation of love. I'd love to, not an external, I must do. Friends, it's the same with our faith. As we go through this book of James, we need to be really careful that we don't have a babysitter approach to godly obedience. If you find yourself trying to obey God because something external is influencing you to do something, because you think Pete's told you, not to be angry today or perhaps you think Adam and Jessa told you to give to reflect after the preach or you think anyone else expects you to act in a certain way to be a good Christian if that's your motivation then you'll miss it you've missed it you'll miss out on the joy and the blessing of obediently following Jesus and that's not God's plan for you but if your obedience is motivated internally by this loving word of God that's been planted deep in you, that he's planted in you, if you continue in his word, humbly accepting it each day as the truth of God that brings life and joy, you will find yourself growing as a joyful follower of Jesus. You will find yourself becoming an active doer of the word day by day. I'd love to, Jesus, not I must do. Jesus, I'd, I'd love to love my wife the way you love the church. Jesus, I'd love to love my neighbor. Jesus, I'd love to live a life of generosity, letting go of the love of money. Jesus, I'd love to give everything to you. I'd love to give up everything to reach the least, the last, and the last. Friends, can you imagine 
what God might do through us as a church in our relationships, in our communities, if we lived a life, lived a life, lived the word like that this week, next week, this year, change the world. I'm almost done. And then we're going to go to our breakout rooms in just a moment. But before we do, uh, just two quick practical sort of takeaways from this, this passage to focus on this week. First of all, first, let's be a people who are continually in the word. However, that works out for you. It doesn't mean you all have to have a quiet time in the morning, but meditate on the word of God regularly, not just on Sundays. Feed your life with it. I want to encourage us to develop a habit of regularly reading the Bible, of listening to it, meditating on it, humbly accepting it, allowing God to plant seeds of truth in our lives that will grow to produce fruit. And as we do that, let's be a people who are quick to listen to the word and slow to speak, as James says. And by that, I mean, let's be a people who let the word of God shape us, not the other way around. So let's just pray for a moment. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for sending your spirit to be with us now. I thank you that you have planted your word in us. I thank you your word is alive. It's living. I thank you, Lord, it's creates something in us that's like you. Lord, I thank you that you are working in us. And so, Jesus, we say we want to be a people who are active doers of your word. We want to do your word, not from a place of we must do, but a place of we love to, Jesus, because of your love for us. Lord, we ask you would pour out your love by your spirit into our hearts as we look at these, this passage in our breakout rooms now. Lord, we pray. Come, Jesus. Send your spirit amongst us. Speak, encourage, grow us, we pray. Amen.